Well, I want to thank you again for coming here to, to worship with us this morning, and, and I do want to thank those of you watching online. Um, I really appreciate those of you who are here because we get to, to worship together and sing praises together, and that, that's always meaningful, uh, no matter how many are, are here. And I was just thinking of that verse we were just looking at from Hebrews, um, the passage we read. It talks about God not being unjust to overlook your work and the love you have shown for his name in serving the saints. And just being together and worshiping is a way that we can serve and encourage one another. So I appreciate you for doing that today. Uh, we're not going to look at that passage in Hebrews that we were scheduled to today. It's a uh, very involved passage, a bit of a longer one. And since we have some kids uh, with us here today, we're going to have a kind of shorter message for this time. And we'll jump into that passage from Hebrews next week. I really look forward to addressing that and hope to see some of you here next week as well when we talk about that passage. Today we're going to be in John chapter 4. John chapter 4, if you want to turn your Bibles there. I apologize that there won't be a PowerPoint or verses on the screen, but uh, if you find that in your Bibles. This is one of my favorite stories in Scripture, and it's such an encouraging passage because it tells us so much about the heart of Jesus and what he does in each of us and the change he can make in our lives that he calls us to be a part of his mission. The reason this chapter is so powerful is it's because of, really it's just one conversation that happens. Some things around it, but there's one extremely powerful moment between Jesus and a Samaritan woman. Now it's a longer text and passage, so I'm just going to focus on two shorter parts of it. The first part I want us to look at is, is verses 7 through 14. So we're in John chapter 4, so we're going to read 7 through 14. Jesus is traveling with his disciples, and they make an intentional stop into the area of Samaria, which is somewhere that Jews, like Jesus' his disciples, typically didn't go. They tried to avoid the Samaritans. They were longtime enemies. They tried to stay away from each other's land. But they make an intentional trip to a little town called Sychar there, where there was a well that uh, one of the old founders of the nation of Israel, Jacob, had dug. And so they go to this well, and the disciples head into town. And we read this, verse 7 through 14. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. And Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For... Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Verse 11, The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. There's 13. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up eternal life. Let me pray. 
Lord, I pray that as we just take a few minutes to consider some of these words from John chapter 4, you would remind us about how you are truly the living water, the source that satisfies. That we can't find satisfaction or true purpose in anything else apart from you. I pray, God, that once we find the living water that's in you, once we come to know you and have a relationship with you, it would change the course of our lives. God, I pray that you would work in our hearts and our minds so that our lives would reflect you, that others would want to seek you, the true living water. It's in your name, Jesus, that I pray. Amen. So this conversation I already mentioned is kind of strange. It's odd. It's surprising because he's talking to this woman who is a Samaritan. And at that time, these two people groups, they didn't talk to each other. They didn't have anything to do with each other. More so than like political differences today, these were complete cultural differences. They lived right next to each other, but they were in almost entirely different worlds. They hated one another. So that's surprising here. But there's another surprise we discover, and that's the fact that Jesus, by himself, is even talking to this woman. This was 2,000 years ago. It was a different time, a different culture, and typically... A man did not just talk to the woman in the middle of a public place. At that time, sadly, women were looked down on. They were treated as second-class citizens, as not worthy of having a conversation with. They were someone else's husband or someone else's daughter, more viewed almost closer to property than someone who has actual rights and thoughts and opinions. It's sad that that's the way it was, but that's how it is. And so that's why it's so surprising that Jesus is talking to her. That's why the woman is so shocked that she says, how is it that you ask for me for a drink? She's surprised that someone would, would talk to her. So because she's a woman, because she's Samaritan, we're not going to read it, but we also find out later there's another problem. This woman is not the most morally pure person in the world. We find out that she has had five previous husbands and that the man she's living with now is not her husband. So it seems that this is a woman who was sexually unfaithful. And she's talking to Jesus, who's perfect, the Son of God. So here we have this sinful, the Samaritan, and this woman, but Jesus still initiates a conversation with her. He's a man and a Jew, but he's holy, he's perfect, he's without sin, yet he valued this woman enough to engage with her in a conversation. That, that tells us so much about the heart of Jesus, that he looks at us even if we're far from him, even if we're in a place that others despise or reject us, that he's willing to really rearrange their whole schedule of this trip to have this conversation with one person. It reminds me of elsewhere where Jesus talks about how the good shepherd leaves the 99 to rescue the one lost sheep. He wanted to reach her on a personal level. And Jesus bases the conversation on what they're doing. They're by a well where you get water from. And so he turns the conversation to living water. And she's a little confused about what he's talking about, but what he means is the eternal life that he offers. A kind of water that once you have it, it changes everything about you. That sets our course for eternity. His message to this woman is that he alone satisfy her desires her jumping from from man to man husband to husband whatever she's doing that is not bringing her the satisfaction that she needs he's saying i can fulfill your needs i'm the one who offers 
this living water. Whoever drinks the water I give him will never be thirsty again. Not, not a man, not a job, not family, not friends fully and completely satisfied. We can find joy in those things. There's lots of things we can find joy in in the world, but none of them completely satisfies apart from Christ. Jesus and Jesus alone gives us what we need. So we're not to trust and depend on what we can do, the things that we can accomplish, but Jesus calls us to trust and rely on him. This water that he offers, this gift can be ours if we know him. This woman was living in a sinful situation, but Jesus is extending the offer to her. If you turn away from that and you take this water I offer, you can have eternal life. And that's the offer he makes to each of us, is to turn away, reject sin, and find new life in him. Life that truly satisfies, where sinful and broken men and women can find their rest in Jesus. So maybe you're here or you're watching. Let me ask, do you know this Jesus? Do you, have you tasted this water? Do you know him, the source of living water, the source of true satisfaction? Is he your living water? Well, that's the first part of their conversation. They then have a conversation about what worship looks like. The woman tries to talk about the differences between Druze and Samaritans, but Jesus talks about how true worship is worshiping God in spirit and in truth. And she says, I think that's something the Messiah, the Savior, will talk about. In verse 26, Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. And she realizes she is talking to the Messiah, the Savior of those who know God, the only one who can save from sin. So she leaves then. She heads back to her town and the disciples have a conversation with Jesus and he's talking about how he has food to eat that they don't know about. And that food is the fact that he's able to share with her. But we can see what she did if we jump down to verse 39. Look at verses 39 through 42. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him. They believed in Jesus because of the woman's testimony. This is what she said. He told me all that I ever did. She was so moved by how Jesus knew everything about her. She said, this man knows everything about me. This man must be the Messiah. You should come to know him. Verse 40 says, when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, their enemy, a Jew, to stay with them. And he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. You see what happened here. Jesus took this woman who was despised, alone, rejected. Earlier talked about she was at this well in the middle of the day, which was not normally when you went outside somewhere. That was only somebody who had no other friends and didn't want to be seen in public. But this woman goes and she is so bold in sharing, this is what this man has done for me, that others come to know him. And this, this is, I don't say I want to say it's all the reason, but it's part of the reason why Jesus seeks after those who are far from him. He seeks after us because he loves us, but he also has a purpose for us. He wants to change our life so that we would share with others. 
He desires to use those who repent and believe to reach other people. Our Lord uses those who turn from sin, who place their faith and trust in Him, and He uses them to make disciples, to make more followers of Him. This single woman was able to point many people in her town to Jesus Christ. This one woman who may have thought that her life had little meaning suddenly discovers she has a message to share. She shared what she knew about Jesus and many others came to know Him. This is a challenge for not just women, because this is one woman, but for all of us. Do we share about what God has done for us? Sometimes I think we think of it as too little of a thing. Yeah, I was the sinner, but now I know Christ. But this woman realized how powerful this was. She had found a source of living water, someone who truly satisfies it. She was excited to tell others about that. She was influencing her area that she had. She shared with people in her city, in her, her town, in her community, this is what this Jesus has done for me. If we think about it, though, in terms of men and women, I think, men, there's an application from looking at Jesus here. We're to encourage our sisters in Christ, support them as they share about Christ's work in their lives. I'm called to not push any brother or sister of Christ to the side, say they have no value, but encourage, lift up those who are going to share about what God has done for them. We are called to share about Christ with those around us, like this woman does, and this town is influenced for the gospel. Jesus cared for this individual woman and shared with her the truth of God's word. By his power, he calls us to do the same in whatever context we're in. Water is, by itself, is powerful. Water falling from the sky is the reason why there are so few here and a lot of you watching online. But Jesus, the living water, has a power even greater than something that can change the weather or our plans. He has a satisfaction in us that he can build in us that cannot be matched anywhere else. And if we know that living water, that changes the course of our lives. So I thank you, those of you who take time to serve the Lord, that you've been changed, you take time to share that with others. And I pray you'll continue to do that for his glory. I pray that each of us will reflect on what Christ has done in our hearts through his living water. And that if you don't know him, you will seek him out, turn from sin, and see what he has to offer. This woman did that, and look at the difference that it made.